Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. to what let's start with that machine for every man there is a scale on one side of the scale there is good on the other side evil why does it have to be me and you can send sawyer or jim or do it yourself if i could do it myself i wouldn't be asking you claire hey you want some eggs i can uh make whatever you want uh, fried scrambled you let him talk to you I stabbed him in the chest like you told me to. Then I let him talk to me. He's coming, Kate. Coming and they can't stop him. to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to the ABC television series Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective by keyboardists Matt Murdock and Leslie Sanazaro-Santi. And now, here's Matt and Leslie. And welcome to Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to ABC Television's Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective. I am one of those musicians. My name is Matt Murdick. I'm a keyboard player in the St. Louis area. And I am, of course, joined by my co-host, singer, songwriter, piano player in her own right, Leslie Sanazaro-Santi. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Hey, good. Good this morning, Matt. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> First, we want to thank Grit for submitting a review to us on iTunes. We appreciate any iTunes reviews. Let us know what you think of the show. Let the rest of the world know so they know whether to download us or not. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Grit, for your review. And another podcast that I want to talk about is the Jay and Jack Lost podcast. But uh, the Jay and Jack 30-hour marathon podcast will be March 20th and 21st. Guess who's going to be a guest on the show? Woo-hoo-hoo. Yay! Uh, yeah, well, I will be a guest on the show. I'll be appearing with uh, Axel Foley from the Lost Mythos podcast and Heath Solo from the Lost Revisited Now podcast. Donald, our buddy, of course, from Donald is Lost. 
uh, Katie Gallon from the What Katie Said podcast. We're all going to be on at, I think, 5.30 in the morning Eastern Time on the Sunday Ooh. morning. Yeah, so that'll be 4.30 here in the Central Time Zone. <laughs> I think I'll probably just come home from my gig and stay up. And, <laughs> uh, Axel is taking over one of the shifts so that Jay and Jack actually get a chance to sleep. Okay. And hence, he has kind of just invited the whole community to come on with him and say hello. And here's what he's got going on. Uh, him and Heath will start off at 4.30 in the morning uh, in the Eastern Time. Just the two of them talking some Lost. Then they have John Laconis from DocArts.com is going to be on at 5 o'clock with them. Then at 5.30, I joined the discussion uh, with some podcasters and bloggers just talking about Lost Podcasting in general. And that includes John Laconis again from DocArts.com. Donald from Donald is Lost, Katie from What Katie Said. Uh, we're going to have Jed on from Losties with Jed and Kara. Yay! Uh, and myself. And then at 6.45, things will get really interesting. Donald's staying on. Uh, Miss Wendy from Lost Revisited Now is coming on. And then we get uh, the Hurricane of Feedback Lynn, who's been calling in on our initial reaction shows sometimes. We get the guys from the Dharma Dummies, and we get Anna and Denise from Jacob's Cabin as well. They start at 6.45 and talk some Lost Theories. And then at 8.15, Heath's buddy, Chris Sparling, who is the writer of the movie Buried, which was at the Sundance Film Festival and will be opening, I think, sometime in September. Heath getting him to come on and, and, and do a little talking, too. And that's at 8.15. Wow. So quite a lineup there for the wee hours of the morning into the morning hours. So uh, we hope you'll definitely go to jandjack.com. To get all of the podcast details, it's a great benefit for Autism Speaks, so please be sure to check out that podcast on that weekend. Should be a lot of fun. We also, speaking of Jed earlier, we want to we want to thank Lousties for giving us a shout out on one of their recent vidcasts. He like labeled our blog and everything. Cause since we plug them, they, they they decided to scratch our back and plug us. Too, oh, so. very nice. Thanks, guys. Just to make sure that I'm always one up on you, Jed. Make sure to catch Jed and Kara's uh, <laughs> Losties with Jed and Kara video cast. <laughs> and you can find their blog at lostieswithjedkara.blogspot.com. And Donald, our buddy, uh, he hosted this week's initial reaction show, which uh, Heath and I are on every week. And we all rotate feeds. Next week, it's our feed. So, yay, I'll be hosting yay! Uh, next Tuesday night. You can catch that at TalkShoe. Look for a show called Keys to Lost Special Segments. That's where we always meet. And then after the show is recorded, then whoever's turn it is uh, to host, they get to put it on their feed for that week. So mm-hmm. next week, it'll be here on the Keys to Lost feed. The week after that, it'll be back on the Lost Revisited Now feed because Heath Solo will be uh, hosting. And then uh, the week after that, again, it'll be on the Donald is Lost feed, as it is this week. And so we're going to review Season 6, Episode 6, Sundown, written by Paul Zbyzewski and Graham Rowland, and directed by Bobby Roth. Just a brief synopsis, Saeed faces a difficult decision, and Claire sends a warning to the temple inhabitants. You ready to get into this, Leslie? Yeah. I'm sure that doesn't mean that much to you, because back when you were called in shots, you pretty much just reacted. Initial reaction. So, Leslie, I got to do a whole initial reaction show on uh, this Tuesday night. But what was your first thoughts about the episode? You know, um, 
My first thoughts were, you know, that the the ending scene was really pretty powerful, um, and that I was a little bit bored by the rest of everything that came before it. Unfortunately, I mean, there there were some cool moments, and um, and overall, I liked it. But um, but uh, I, I don't know. I was I was a little bit bored until until the end when Smokey came to the temple, and then we see everybody like, you know, marching out with him. That was a was a pretty strong scene, I thought. Um, so yeah, it was it was okay. It was not my favorite episode. Yeah, I uh, think that probably for me that that last say ten minutes or so of the episode was some of the most intense that we've ever seen in Lost. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the 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 sheer ferocity of the smoke monster and and. You know the creepiness. You know it's the first time they'd ever really used a a song like that and used slow mo. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, I don't know that we've ever seen slow mo before. That was really kind of strange. Yeah. And uh, it, it really added a lot of weight to everything. Uh, I really i I liked most of the on island stuff. I really liked the Dogen and Said conversations. Uh, it, it connected the dots more clearly about the illness to me. And I like that, although me and you had a conversation last night on the phone where we were talking about, yeah, they take two or three episodes to basically answer the same question. Mm-hmm. It's like they have to keep pointing at it so that the fans won't say, oh, but that's not really what it is, you know. And, and in the meantime, they're they're ignoring opportunities to answer other things or they're posing new things like why is it that Dogen would keep the be able to keep the smoke monster out? I thought that was what the ash was doing. Yeah. You know, so uh, why give us one answer about the ash keeping the smoke monster away and then say, no, it was actually Dogen that was keeping him out. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in terms of that. You know, the X timeline stuff didn't really grab me all that much. I thought it was cool to see Kimi and Omar. But other than mm-hmm. that, um, and, you know, it seems to me that no matter what, and I know that you and I will probably disagree a little bit on this because of the 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 means to the end or or the reasons but Saeed is still no matter what timeline he's in he's a killer mm-hmm. he's basically been called a killer uh, by everybody and he's proven it time and time again that no matter no matter what situation he gets himself into he ends up one being a torturer because we found out in the X timeline that he was a he was worked as an interrogator uh-huh. again and two being a killer. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it in both timelines. True. Yeah. So, uh, no matter what, it kind of just points to the fact that you know, he's uh, not really all that redeemable. Maybe that's why his condition is the way it is at the time. I don't know. There's something for me. It's still, you know, Saeed is still Saeed, and he's never been a senseless killer. He never has, you know, killed people for no reason at all. He seems to always have a reason that he's put into these situations where he has to choose between killing someone or someone he he loves dying and he seems to be unwilling to allow people he loves to be killed by somebody he doesn't think much of you know and so that that's kind of my angle on it except when he shoots a little boy last year when he shot ben when he shot Ben. But again, he believed that Ben was the the whole reason that everything was terrible and that if he could if he could get Ben out of the way that nobody none of his friends would have been killed, 
you know, if he killed one person, then a lot of other people would live. Yeah. So. I guess so. Yeah. I, I, you, we'll just have to agree <laughs> we to do, disagree. We disagree on that one. All right. Uh, well, those are my thoughts for initial reactions. Anything else? No. Let's uh, let's go on to three words. So what should I know about Pretty, uh, pretty much the way it was, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much pick a side or suffer the consequences. In pick this a side episode. or die. Yeah, pick, pick my side or die, <laughs> uh, or not be in the area. One of the, one of the three. Uh, I had a hard time settling on one this time around. Uh, in terms of uh, MIB and and the. Uh, the confusion created by the illness that he uses to manipulate and promising people what they want most. Uh, those three words for me is carrot in front. I like That's that. Holding the carrot out in front of the horse. Uh, and then another thing about the, the three characters uh, came to mind, three seemingly now dark characters, and that would be Triangle of Terror for Claire, Saeed, and MIB. And then the the... The last one would be uh, in reference to MIB's victims, which is Catch Fallen Stars. Yeah, yeah, those are great. We'll see uh, what everybody else is thinking in terms of their three words. Adam Quast says, Go Team Smokey. Lost Maniac says, Smokey's Sundown Showdown. I like that one. Max Hedrum 6, Saeed equals Chuck Norris in any timeline. Sky Tweet says, intense, haunting, awesome. Johnny2432, Kimi likes eggs. Lindsay Amanda says, poor Kung Fu Dogen and yay dead Kimi. Jenny Lynn 13 creepy, bad A, and run. Friggin' Italian says, holy crap, Saeed. Sergeant Drano from the Station 7 podcast says, too much magic. Hmm. <laughs> Danielle, 1984, I've lost something. Wear that puzzle piece. Fizzlehoff says, dead two hours, as in miles to Saeed. Lost Dogs, 20 says, Saeed, badass mofo. And Tunberry, 108, says, sadistic, entertaining bloodbath. Aaron Gardner, G, says, Saeed gone mad. Also, Claire, Kate, catfight? And Kimi, killed again. Yeah. Uh, T-S-H Steve, and that's Steve from the Smokehatch podcast. You can catch their podcast at smokehatch.blogspot.com. Saeed's a badass. Big Daddy S-T-L-06. That's uh, Big Daddy Des here in St. Louis. You can find him at bigdaddystl.wordpress.com. Says, key me over easy. <laughs> <laughs> and Lottery Ticket says, Power of Persuasion. Lone Dharma Shark. <laughs> Miles Wows Kate. What needles, Saeed? Smokey Breaks Wind. And forget about it. 
Mrs. Wright says, mouth wide open. And she says during the last half. Uh, Oceanic815 says, Smokey goes nuts. Brady Boy says, Saeed is infected. Leah3318 says, Creepiest lullaby ever. Razzle Dazzle77 says, Scariest episode ever. No joke. Yeah. Mrs. Flipper, intense, violent, creepy. Rubadoo87 says, Super massive nerdgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Piconi says, Lennon assassinated twice. No Pain, No Glory uh, from the No Pain, No Glory podcast, which you can find at no pain, spelled P-A-Y-N-E, noglory.com, says, finally getting somewhere. Lost, 4815162342 says, anxious, perplexed, miscalculated. Anaso87 says, no more BS. Molderism, blankety bleeping epic. Hmm. Tom Wilson 23 from simplytelevision.blogspot.com says Saeed's destiny obvious and Alana's side equals military last names only Justin Keyes says Saeed's smoky stunning or Saeed's in black or the ballad of Jarrah and Smokey <laughs> <laughs> the last Star Wars says Saeed the badass EC Junior 85, paybacks of blank. <laughs> Whimsy and Quirk, how dare he? Lope Dog 33, what a doozy. 803er says, bajillion times awesome. Samantha 739, jaw just dropped. Go Hex the Wolf says, there's still time, not for me. Flock looks intense. Dogen gets claimed. And Smokey has Entourage. That's a good one. I like that one, too. Shelby 23. Oh, my gosh. Smokey the Bear says three words. Need only two. Payoff. Finally. Uh, Corwell B-Team episode. <laughs> Gwimmy says creepy, creepy, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> JMed00 says double dark action. LM Craig says lines are drawn. Jan from France, Saeed, cold blood killer, Saeed slash Claire, creepy smile. Super Spandex says, Kate, don't follow. Q Poison 10, Lennon is dead, Flair still hot, Miles is great. Jerkstore KF, about the episode, spooky, deadly conundrums, and about Kate, dead girl walking. Um, and then he says, oh wait, I can't keep track of all these dead people walking. <laughs> <laughs> Con artist says, Two-Faced Saeed, it is on, what up Kate, still hot though, and what are you? Jed Finlay from Losties of Jed and Kara, which you can find at losteswithjedkara.blogspot.com. Make mine scrambled. <laughs> uh, Jay Watari, where is Sawyer, or where is Jen? Lost Boss, uh, who is the operator of lostblog.com. Says unfortunate boomerang incident. <laughs> Abe Froman 21, Claire's creepy song. Jackie Fung says best fight scene ever. Bruna Black, oh, here's a surprise. Bruna Black says, Where be Richard? <laughs> Dano at large says, Freight train smoky. Henry Haney, Dogan makes splash. <laughs> oh. <Aww. laughs> 
Tarma Recruit, where is Richard? Everybody wants to know where Richard is. Actually, that's a pertinent question. That's a really good question. Lost Fan 815K says, Losty's gone evil. And we've got some emails, too. Uh, Gene in Baltimore. Damn it, Kate, run. And Crazy Claire, still hot. (laughs) Ignite Contrast says, didn't meet hype. Mama Pack says, Kimi cooks eggs. Smokey runs rampant. Ben wets pants. <laughs> and Mr. Bad from uh, Bad Lost Theories, which you can find at Bad, spelled with two Ds, of course. Badlosttheories.blogspot.com. Kill, kill, kill. And he says, goes on to say, Who thought Saeed was going to stab Kate? Haters. Who's happy? He didn't. <laughs> uh... Crazy Creepy Claire. Kate better watch her back. And to make matters worse, Flock gave her the evil eye. Not sure that rifle is going to cut it. Saeed looks like he's damned in all realities. All right. Thank you, folks, again for your three words. Remember, you can tweet me anytime with those. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's a back episode or not either. You can always just tell us what episode it's for. And uh, you can tweet me at... Twitter.com slash keys to lost, or you can always email them keys to lost at gmail.com, or you can call 314 754 9662. Ready to get into key scene discussion? Yeah, let's go. Three little words, eight little letters, which simply mean I love you. the whole game breaking down the key scenes let's see you or me first you go first all right um i just i'm gonna reiterate again you know that uh in the x timeline saeed kills kimi and no matter for what reason, uh, if we're gonna gonna have people, you know, say, well, it doesn't matter what reason Kate killed people for, then we can only say it doesn't matter what reason Saeed killed people for too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I gotta stick to my I gotta stick to my thoughts on on all of that. Um, and like uh, Jed actually from Losties with Jed and Kara said, uh, he seems beyond redemption in any timeline. He said that in his initial reaction, and I tend to agree with that. Uh, what, uh, did you have for a scene? Well, um, you know, I, the, the scene where Saeed and Dogen are talking at the, at the pool, it, you know, I, I felt like before Saeed goes ballistic and just kills him, um, actually it's not ballistic, it seems very calculated, but, um, he sits down to listen to his story, you know, and I think for a second that we're going to see the old Saeed, you know, someone who's who has a, a big heart and, you know, regardless of whatever killing he's done, he just always seems to have a big heart. You know, he always feels bad when he does the things that he does, it seems like. And he's, you know, very hard on himself. And as I mentioned before, he, he tends to do these bad things, it seems like, for people he loves. He never just, never just like senseless kind of action. But for a second, we get the feeling that maybe he's not crazy. He's going to sit down. He's listening to Dogen's story after Dogen tried to kill him more than once. 
He's going to sit down and listen to his story. And then all of a sudden we just see him and then he just stabs him. You know, um, it was an intense scene. And I thought it was important to point out that while that they had this discussion about um, about what Smokey promised and what Jacob promised. Mm-hmm. And they were both promised something, you know. Yeah. So it seems as though Man in Black is a manipulator, but potentially maybe Jacob is also a manipulator as well. You think? Yeah. I mean, I hope not. I really hope not. But, you know, it, to give a man a choice between his son's life and, you know, and not following, you know, the wishes laid in front of him, uh, it seems that doesn't really seem like much of a choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do see it as an option, though. It's yeah, either it, let, it, yeah, it let true. Your, let your son die, uh-huh. or you can you can help me, and your son can. But what that means is he has the opportunity to help him anyway, and he would withhold that help if he didn't do what he wanted him to do. It's kind of it's a little manipulative. I mean. Yeah, I suppose it could be seen that way. Yeah. Um, to me, Jacob's thing seems like a veiled greater plan. Yeah. And uh, and for what I can tell at this point is a higher purpose, whereas MIB's is totally self-serving. Um, well, yeah, that's what we're being led to believe, but we still don't really know. It's true. We don't really know. So are you jumping into the camp that Jacob's just as bad as MIB then? Are you, no, those folks? no, I'm not. But I'm but I'm, I'm pointing out that they are they are having us think about that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that that's definitely a, a, an interesting case to be made. Uh, it's it's a fun discussion to have, you know, to, to hear like where everybody falls on what side of the issue, you know. Yeah. Um, because, again, we don't really have the answer yet. Yeah. One thing I'd like to point out about that whole scene with Saeed, mm-hmm. though, is he acts exactly the same way Man in Black, Black acts. Man in Black seems to be this person that's understanding and he's, he's extending himself to you. Uh-huh. You know, and then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's very, very uh, charlatanesque. Uh-huh. You know, in my opinion. And that's why I am definitely of the camp that whether Jacob's bad or not, Man in Black is much worse. Is worse. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't argue with that. The whole uh, uh, temptation of, of Saeed, I think that and we'll get into this in the theories and, and questions uh, section or the questions and answers section of the show, too. But I just really like that scene because Man in Black finds Saeed's weakness, you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously is exploiting it. Now we we've seen two cases in this very episode where, you know, the carrot is whatever that person most desires. Uh-huh. You know, for Claire it's Aaron, and in in the very first sequence, you know, she even questions. Well, after this, I want Aaron. He says, you all, you know, I do what I say, is what MIV tells her. But it, it is that's a one point where it almost seems like MIV's patience is worn a little thin. At least oh, in the way think? that Terry O'Quinn delivers that line. You know, he delivers it rather dryly, like, yes, I know. I didn't notice that. Yeah, at least to me. And, and whereas with, uh, uh, you know, but then with Saeed, he turns around and, and he's he's like, I feel sorry for you because, you know, Dogen sent, it, sent you out here knowing that you was going to uh-huh. be killed, you know, uh-huh. whatever. And uh, it's, the, it's this whole... Uh, again, you just see the whole charlatan thing, and 
as Dogen had pointed out to him in an earlier scene, I, I just honestly believe that MIB is exactly what Dogen says, and that's evil incarnate. Wow. Uh, what else you got? Well, um, the scene where, where Claire's being held in the pit and, and Kate finds her and Kate's clearly completely unaware of the situation and is talking and saying, you know, I have Aaron and, and you see that evil look come over Claire's face and, you know, we know that she's now plotting, you know, we know that she's in the back of her mind. She's, she's, she's got something out for Kate and, uh, you know, at the very end, once she's, you know, once they're all leaving with MIB, it's like, you know, you wonder now that they're out, out in open air together, what she might have, have planned for, for Kate. Um, there's another part of it too, that I, I want to talk about more in the question and answer section. But, um, um, you know, I, I think it's also important to point out that, you know, with Kate's statement of, I have Aaron, she now knows that MIB, um, telling her that Aaron was in the temple was a lie. So depending on how ab- about her wits she is, you know, she could put that together as well. That's true. That's very true. That's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't... We, it, I guess it's a question of whether Dogen is accurate in saying once it, you know, it reaches your heart that there's nothing really left of you. We don't seem to see that be the case with Claire. You know, I mean, there's still see she recognizes people, although I guess you could technically say that Robert was recognizing Danielle. Also, he was calling her by name. He was talking yeah. to her. So yeah. I don't know that it, it's again, we get that definition of 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 Claire as a confused girl under the influence of an angry man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way Dogen basically laid out what the illness is to us this week. And uh so I don't know that it it matters so much whether MIB will be lying to her or not, or if it's just the carrot of Aaron actually, uh-huh. you know. And and if MIB, all he has to do is turn around and say, well, maybe he wasn't there, but you will you will be with him again, and that'll be enough for her. Yeah, yeah, it could be. What else do I have? Oh, there was one other interesting thing in the X timeline that I thought. Uh, just of note a line that Saeed said and he said we had an unfortunate incident with a boomerang (laughs) and uh, I wondered if this was just some kind of outside reference to the whole alternate timeline thing in general Mm -hmm. you know about how uh, there's got to be when you throw a boomerang of course it it circles around in a way and then it comes back Uh and I wonder if this is a reference to some kind of bleeding through of the X timeline to the Arlosties or one way or the other, or if that's a reference to the fact that somehow the time two timelines have to merge in one way or another, you know, if it's some kind of clue about the actual X timeline, since we do think that the X timeline was created by the incident. Right. Right. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I think I thought that was a really nice observation. I like that. Uh, anything else? Um, you know, I, I have to say, you know, we, we've kind of touched on it already, but I wanted to say that I, in some way, I was happy to see Saeed take those guys out in the X timeline. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the watcher who's like ready for all the killing. You know, I'm, that's that's not usually my mo on, on on any show that I watch or anything that I watch. But, um, you know, the X timeline seems to just be kind of like this happy, smiley 
sweet, boring kind of timeline that's going on. You know, it's really not that exciting. So,、um, you know, to see Saeed just let Nadia live with his brother and not really do anything about it, and you know, still have feelings for her, and then you know, and and have all this come up and do nothing. You know, have all this come up with with her family. You know, where these dangerous people are after them and. Have made you know threatening mentions about the children already, and have already put his brother in the hospital. I mean, it would. I mean, who who could allow that to happen? I mean, who would sit by and allow that to happen to their family? I just, you know, I, I don't know very many people that would. And so to see Saeed be like, no, you know, I'm taking control of the situation. This is not going to happen.、Um, I, I would like to be redeemed, but I'm going to sacrifice my own redemption for the safety of these people. You know, and I think that's. I, I liked that. I liked that that he that he took action like that. That's. Yeah, I I kind of saw the whole thing with 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 Kimi and Gang as more of an act of self defense than anything. Until he shot Kimi, and once he shot Kimi, he was taking action on behalf of his family. I agree. Yeah. But、uh, you know, the, with the other two guys, it was just a matter. Of, well, one guy he was using as a shield in order to protect himself. Mm-hmm. And he was eliminating the other guy to, because the guy would have eliminated him otherwise. You know,、right. th- these are the train. This is the training of a soldier.、Mm-hmm. This is nothing more than than just a reaction、mm-hmm. um, to the situation. You know, and, and his first instinct was to try and get away. I think that's what he was was trying to do, and then it led to what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't argue with that. And oh, you know, one more thing、um, before we go on.、Um, We're getting the setup for the big Sun and Jin reunion. Clearly, you know, we got that moment where where we see Sun saying, "Jin's here," you know.、Um, yeah, I guess and, she's still been believing Richard all along that Richard saw him die back in the seventies from、uh, "Follow the Leader." You know,、uh, when she showed that that picture、uh-huh. to Richard, and he says, "Yeah, I saw him all die." I guess she's still been believing that that he was dead. Otherwise.、Yeah. Why would she be surprised that that Jen? But just a, just an episode ago, Alana said to her, you know, when she said, "Come on, we're going to the temple."、Uh-huh. She said, "What makes you think I'm going to go to the temple with you?" Yeah. And Alana says, "Because that's the one place Jen will be if he's alive." And so she does. He, does she say if he's alive? Yeah. Yeah. If he's、does. alive. Yeah.、Um, and so she goes.、Um, so there must be a part of her that's still believing that he's alive. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that、uh, it just I, I I feel it's such a waste of the son character to have her、mm-hmm. ask the same silly question over and over and over again. You know, of all、yeah. the lines you could have given her, you know, why are they wasting our time and the talent of a of a pretty good actress、mm-hmm. with those silly little trivial lines? I mean, if it's just if her, if her whole story just turns out to be about finding Jin. I I'm gonna be a little disappointed. Well, that's why she came back. Well, that's why she came back. But why is the name Quan on the wall? Why is the name Quan on the dial? Yeah. Okay. So you're saying you want her to have more importance than that? It's not just、yes. about coming back to get her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. I haven't really thought a lot about that, about their greater contribution. To- yeah. Story. It's uh, you know, Jacob touched them both. He didn't just touch one or the other in the incident. He touched them both at the same time during when he was giving them his blessing. Yeah. And、uh, 
So that means it is true. They need to get. They obviously need to be together. That's part of the of the plan. But what is that about? You know, yeah. we've we've not seen any any kind of contribution from Sun uh-huh. in anything for two seasons now. Yeah. The last time she did anything halfway contributory was when she pulled a gun on Ben. I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. So. I'm just finding I'm finding that whole thing a little disappointing. Wow. Well, hopefully they'll pick up that storyline. That's all they have to do, you know, to redeem it. In a way, I guess they can make it uh, more interesting by the fact that Jin is now with MIB. Do you think he's now been influenced? Do you think he's uh, decided to follow MIB in order to get off the island? That would be. A real drag. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, hopefully not. But, uh, but I mean, I guess MIB can infect someone anytime he wants, so. Yeah, if he needs to. Uh, I'm not sure that he actually, you know, a lot of these things, it sounds to me more like this whole recruiting process is about convincing someone without the need to infect them. There's no evidence that he's infected Sawyer or Jin yet. Yeah, no, you know, there's not. Because we haven't even seen those two characters in forever, which is another... Well, you know what comes to mind as we're talking about this? The the idea that perhaps by... Perhaps infecting someone is not the end-all, be-all. You know, it, if, if to infect someone meant that they would for sure be on his side until the end and do whatever he wanted, I'm sure he would just infect whoever he needed to infect. There must be some detriment to the infection mm-hmm. as well. Like or maybe they, there's some way for them to, to lose that that sickness. Um, and if they choose it, for example, instead, you know, the choice might be a stronger bet than the infection that could possibly, you know, who knows, maybe wear off or, or be changed by someone hearing goodness or whatever it is that could maybe, you know, undo it. Yeah. Well, we know these writers are Star Wars fans. Maybe they'll all turn Anakin back from the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Yeah, uh, no, I think that's it. All right, let's move on to the G Kino moment. I'm covering the temple theme this week. The G Kino moment. the theme that we've come to associate with the temple. One of the most uh, interesting things about this theme is the way that it is complementary to Jacob's theme in many ways. But first, let me just play the melody for you on the piano, and then we can discuss it. C, E flat C, 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 F sharp C, C, E, E flat, E flat C, E, E flat C. E, E flat, E flat, B, B flat, B, D flat. Last week, when I discussed Jacob's theme, I brought up a couple of things. One, that Jacob's melody begins with an interval of a tritone, 
which means that the distance between the first two notes is exactly halfway along a chromatic scale. And I'll show you how that relates to this temple theme in just a moment. But one other thing that I noticed about Jacob's theme was that G. Kino had essentially abandoned the notion of staying within known Western music diatonic scales. Uh, to remain within one diatonic scale, one must only use the notes uh, that that particular scale provides. But in the case of Giacchino's note choices regarding Jacob's theme, he has instead used notes from at least two different scales. And this is the first similarity to the temple theme that I want to demonstrate right now. Most of the temple theme is in fact borrowed from a single scale, but not all of it. And the two scales that Giacchino uses to base this melody on are not what we would call typical scales. They are not what we would call modal. And by modal, I mean that they do not correspond directly to a major or minor type scale that we are most familiar with in Western music. Instead, this melody is derived from a couple of scales that a lot of modern jazz players are quite familiar with. Two different scales of the same type that are called half-whole scales. The scale is an eight-note scale, which not only makes it symmetrical as compared to a typical seven-note diatonic scale, but it also allows for perfect division of tones between the steps of half-step followed by a whole step. This scale is what allows the piece to have both a major and minor quality to it at the same time. Since the melody I played was in the key of C, uh, typical diatonic harmony would dictate to me to use either an E natural exclusively or an E flat exclusively to give it a major or minor sound respectively. But the C half whole scale has actually both notes, an E and an E flat in it. I'll play the scale here for you on the piano, but the notes are C, D flat, E flat, E. That's the way we get both the major and minor sounds out of the same scale, the E and the E flat. Then there's an F sharp, which is also how we get the tritone, which I'll talk about here in a minute, and then a G, A, B flat, and finally back to C. Here's the way the scale sounds on the piano. So you can hear that that sounds old and and uh, not quite what we're used to hearing in Western music. That scale works great for most of the piece until we get to the last two measures where the melody actually has a B natural in it, and that note doesn't fit in the scale that I just played. Let me play this last two measures again for you real quick. How does he get that E flat to B? and then a B-flat, B, D-flat sound. After the E-flat, he borrows from the B-flat half-whole scale, which has those notes in it, the B-flat, the B-natural, and the D-flat. Here's that scale on the piano. Okay, so I think that covers the similarity of not using the diatonic scales for the temple theme and Jacob's theme. But what does that really do for the effect of the piece of music in terms of how we are viewing the show? 
One thing that it does is because of the presence of a major third and a minor third, the E and the E flat, we get a sense of ambiguity or even uh, mystery. It also harkens us to scale types that are from Eastern music and Far Eastern music, giving it a feeling that it is definitely older than, say, you know, your average Mozart piece. Let's look at another similarity between the Temple theme and Jacob's theme. There is an interval of a tritone, as I mentioned before, in both melodies. In Jacob's theme, it's the first two notes of the melody. Now, in the temple theme, there is a tritone as well. It's not until the second phrase of the melody, but I'm sure you'll hear it. The difference between the two tritones? Jacob's theme descends down by a tritone, while the temple theme ascends upwards. One, I suppose, could interpret this as the lowerlings, the others who are at the temple, lifting up their hopes to Jacob while he comes down to them with guidance. But, you know, that would be a purely subjective interpretation, and I'm not willing to place any bets on G. Kino putting that much thought into it. I think he probably did specifically choose one descending and one ascending for a good reason, though, and that is that it provides symmetry. With one representing an ascent and the other one a descent, you have kind of a meeting in the middle, as it were. And this, on a subliminal level, can help us connect the two themes and thus connect Jacob with the others psychologically. So it tells us, kind of in its own way, where the others' loyalties lie. One other thing uh, that the two themes do have in common is the use of diminished chords, uh, either in melody or harmony. Both have notes that are played at the same time that would create a diminished chord. With Jacob's theme, it's the first three notes, G, D-flat, and E. With the temple theme, it's a combination of the C, E-flat, and F-sharp that creates the diminished chord. And G. Kino even goes so far to use that diminished chord as part of his harmony for the temple theme as well, one note at a time. And the implication of a diminished chord, even if the notes aren't played at the same time as they aren't in either of these melodies, those notes, they just kind of stick in our brains and, and point to one another and, and almost create that chord in our mind. The diminished chord always wants to resolve. It always needs to go somewhere. It has a sense of purpose of moving to something. And that's the feeling we get from both the temple theme and from Jacob's theme. And it makes sense that G. Kino would give a sense of purpose to both themes since they are aligned with one another, since the temple is obviously aligned with Jacob. So there's a breakdown of the temple theme. I'll leave you with a couple of clips, and that's the Giacchino moment for this week. Thanks for listening. What are you doing? I'm leaving. 
have been banished. Banished? For what? Apparently, I'm evil. These people say I'm better off dead. Which is surprising, considering they were the ones who saved my life. Well, actually, they're not. They... You had the opportunity to do it yourself. Why didn't you? I was a businessman once in Osaka. I worked at a bank. I was good at my job, very successful. And one Friday, I was promoted. My associates took me out to celebrate. I had too much to drink. Every Friday, I picked my son up from baseball. He was 12. The accident was very bad. And let's move on to theories and answers. Bob, Verity's got some interesting theories on what we can and can't do here. I want some friggin' answers! Theories and answers. Theories and... Answers! (laughs) So, what uh, answers did you come up with, Liz? Well, um... We get, we know now Saeed is for sure overtaken. It's, it's over. It's done. He's evil. Um, we, Kate finds Claire. That's an answer she gets. Um, and, uh, we know that both Jacob and MIB promise their candidates, the people on their side, their, their, their pawns, their people, they promise them both things. Yeah. They they, both promise them things. There we go. They both, uh, they do both promise them. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, some answers that I got out of this. Well, we know that Saeed was actually dead. There's no question about it now for those folks who said, oh, no, he was just unconscious. No. Mm-hmm. If Miles says he was dead, he, he was, was dead. dead. <laughs> because Miles would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And for two hours, no less. So it's not like a, it's not like a Charlie thing. Where, you know, he just suddenly, you know, by some miracle comes back, whether Jack recovered him or not. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, plus to me, another answer was a clear definition of the illness, which is a confusion upon someone and the influence of an angry man. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and we got that directly from Dogen's conversation with Saeed about uh, Claire. We also found out that uh, once you hear whoever MIB's is his voice once you hear his voice that uh it's too late you you can't kill him i guess if you're infected or something like that mm-hmm. you know and we saw that work he actually said hello to saeed right before saeed stabbed him so oh i thought he didn't say anything no he showed up he said hello saeed saeed stabs and then he pulls it out and says so what did you do that for oh gosh and I that's why when him. saeed came back and the doc and dogan said he spoke to you first, didn't he? Yeah. Or you let him speak. And Saeed said no, but in actuality, he did let MIB speak. 
And that's why I pose the theory that the, the illness occurs at the point of resurrection from death. Which means that Saeed, Claire, and Christian were all infected. That Robert and all of the other gang were killed and then resurrected. Mm-hmm. By what means of the resurrection, I'm not sure. Island, MIB, Jacob, I don't uh-huh. think it matters. But uh-huh. once, you, once you're resurrected, that's where the point of the illness begins. Because it's not supposed to happen. It's one of those things that is, is, is not supposed to happen. And in order to take you back to where you're supposed to be, a course correction, so to speak, then you, you get this illness. And depending on, uh, how it's activated, which I think now is by the sound of MIB's voice that activates the illness, you are then placed in a state of confusion in which you can be manipulated by the influence of whoever it is that, whose voice you've heard. In this case, MIBs. That's my theory. It's not based on anything except just the lines that we've heard in the show. Uh huh. You know, and the actions that we've seen happen. But I'm, you know, I still have confusion about the um, the the the, per, the 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 activation of it with MIBs' voice, um, or or potentially anyone's voice. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, I was just um, referring basically to MIB or Jacob. I wasn't referring to anyone oh, else. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I guess you know. I mean, that's it. It is. It is possible, highly likely. I guess I need to. I need to go back and and, and watch and see because I don't remember. I don't. I, I thought I re, I really watched it when I when I went back to that part, um, and that um, that MIB in fact did not say anything before. Uh, Saeed stabbed him. Yeah, you'll definitely hear him say hello, hi, hello, Saeed, okay. before Saeed ever gets close to him. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just, you know, a part of me wonders if if Dogen didn't say to him, you know, don't let him speak, because, you know, he wanted Saeed to just, you know, out of nowhere to just stab him and MIB to be angry enough to just kill him. You know, and perhaps if Saeed had any kind of conversation with MIB at all, being the manipulator that MIB is, for example, to begin with, um, you know, and and just the truth of the matter that Saeed wasn't going to be able to kill him, um, you know, that Saeed would still be alive and thus be, a, you know, a detriment or a danger to to him and his people. Um, yeah, I suppose that could be an interpretation. Why give Saeed the blade at all, except to set him up to kill him, like you said? But uh, it seemed like an awfully special blade. He had to dig it up from a plant. He had to dust off the casing. He had to pull it out that way. It's not like a, it's not your typical kind of knife that that you know. Otherwise, you could have just handed him any weapon and said stab him in the chest with it. If it was just to get him killed, that's just my opinion. Okay, well let's keep going. All right, what else we got? Um, well, again, I mentioned it, I just touched on it when we talked about the key scene in the NRK scene section, but, um, I wonder exactly what's going to happen, of course, between Claire and Kate. Um, and I wonder if Claire's, I mean, it seems to me, it seems pretty obvious to me that, that Claire, as much as she's overtaken, she still has an agenda to get her son and she still can be reasoned with on some level. 
So, um, so she's going to put together the fact that MIB has been telling her that Aaron is in the temple when in fact he's never been in the temple and that Kate has had him the whole time. Um, so, I mean, there are lots of possibilities that could happen. MIB could tell, um, Claire that, you know, that Kate's lying or that, you know, or that Aaron was in the temple and Kate stole him from there or, or whatever. But, um... It seems to me that Claire is going to put together that MIB has lied to her, you know, and potentially that may be Kate's in with Claire to get her to wake up, if that's even possible. Um, or, you know, we'll get the, the straight answer that, that even logic doesn't make sense to someone who has the illness. Right. Something that's interesting to me is, again, will, will Claire even give her the chance? I mean, she flat out told Jen that if she'd found out that Kate was going to, who had taken her baby, that she was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you said, it, it's just one of those things that, uh, I, I'm not sure where they're, where they're setting that up to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know, but that's definitely something I think we're going to see in the next episode or so. Yeah. Well, they, they won't go just walking through the jungle alone together or in that group together without addressing it at some point. So we'll get it. I agree. Cool thoughts. Anything else? Uh, no. No, what else do we have? Uh, I just had one other question, and that is, what's with all these kids suddenly around at the temple? I thought we had fertility issues. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Zach and Emma are from the plane. That's fine. But, um, you know, Donald brought it up in the initial reaction podcast. There are a ton of kids running around in that temple. And uh, I thought that, you know, and most of them are older than like three or four. So it's not like it's something that could have happened since the 06 left the island. Uh Uh-huh. You know, uh, are these other kids that have been abducted from things? Are they kids? Is there something about the temple that allows them to to have children? You know, we don't know. Wow, maybe. Yeah. It seems like, you know, for, for something that seems so centrally important for three seasons, they certainly kind of threw it right back in our face about it seemingly being a non-issue, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have any good answers for that. Yeah, I don't know that anybody does. I hope they address it, though. Yeah, I hope they do, too. Anything else? Good point. Nope, I think that's it on my end. All right. Uh, well, in our forecast feedback last week in our poll, we asked, uh, who is 108 and is he important? Wallace or she? I guess suppose it could be a she as well. Uh, one person said, Wallace is the translator who makes the lighthouse the Tower of Babel. And another person says, I don't think Wallace is important. Our poll said, 16% thought that Wallace is a new character. 41% think that it's someone that we know. 36% think that that was all just a decoy to help Jack. And 5% of you said something else. Thank you. This week we've got a new poll up, and that is, what is Kate up to? Is she infected, or is she going along to find out what MAB's plan about is about? Or is she going to foil MIB, or is it something else? And I think that that whole thing about Kate going with this group sets her up to be, you know, that important thing that we kept waiting to see what Kate is going to do. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think it's going to have anything to do with Claire. I think it has more to do with MIB and the fact that she'll 
um, discover something, some kind of weakness or something, and be able to relay that back to the people on the other side of the equation. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. Yeah, because once she finds it out, you know she's going to have to run, and at least we know she's good at running. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what her—that's the part her character is made for. Nice. But uh, you can vote at our blog, keystolost.blogspot.com, if you want to uh, contribute your idea as far as to what you think Kate's important is from this point in the series out. Anything else? Nope. I think we can go on to feedback. Thanks for getting my back on this whole beach issue. You should think it was a stupid idea. Well, what does that say about you agreeing with me? Well, I'm open to suggestions. Feedback. Feedback. Well, we got some tweets and we got some emails, so I guess we'll start with that. JerkStoreKF says, G-Kino moments are so eloquently explained. Can you tell us more about the instruments used in the orchestra and maybe why? Uh, I think that I can explain it a little bit. There's There's been several articles, and I think if you go to Lostpedia uh, and you look under musical score, um, you'll find what the specific orchestration is. Uh, for Giacchino's orchestra, but he does, it is kind of unique. He doesn't really uh, use trumpets ever. He uses, uh, I think, a French horn and, and a couple of trombones is generally his brass uh, uh-huh. section. And then he has, of course, the regular strings. Uh, he has uh, the, the quartet type of strings with the, uh, cello and violoncello, uh, violin and uh, bass. Then he also uses uh, a, a variety of percussion instruments and some pluck string instruments as well. Uh, some of them are kind of exotic. Of course, the most exotic thing that he ever used was during the whole first season, uh, they took some of the uh, wreckage that they'd used as part of the uh, the set for the for the plane wreckage, and he actually brought it back and, and uh, uh, used it as percussion. Oh, neat. Yeah, the pieces had different, a little bit different pitches and everything, and he and he included that in some of the score. Oh, I'm not so sure that they do that anymore. I haven't heard that much of that kind of thing in it since maybe season two. Uh, but so I hope that answers your question a little bit. Uh, what does Jan from France have to say? Uh, he says regarding the lighthouse, uh, Chopin's bicentury was Monday. Uh, wonder if the writer did that on purpose. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, considering that they they wrote that episode probably back in September or October, I don't know if they were thinking that far ahead as to when it might air or not. I don't even know that they had a beginning air date at the time that they would have written that episode. They may have. You know, uh, I don't. I, I know it wasn't officially announced until um, November was when the Groundhog Day start was announced. So. I don't know if they would have known to time it around. I think it's more about the fact that they're just relaying the fact that, uh, as uh, Stephanie Mack pointed out last week, that Faraday, young Faraday, and young David are both playing the same piano piece, uh, yeah. which is an extraordinarily... Uh, it's one of Chopin's more popular pieces and certainly uh, uh, one of his most recognizable as well. So, Very cool. 
Two Poison Ten is MIB Locke's father, the mystery man his mom went off in the car with. He is in his son's body. Anthony Cooper was the stepfather, maybe? Hmm. I'm just not quite ready to go there, Cute Poison Tin. That's that. I, I know that there's, there's, everybody wants somebody to be somebody's father and, and all of this stuff because uh, there's got to be some kind of daddy issue going on. But I, I think the whole relationship between Locke and MIB is, is just what we saw in LAX. And that is when he said Locke was a, a pathetic, broken man, but he had the one admirable quality that everybody else didn't seem to have and that was that he wanted to stay on the island you know and um, that is I think what kind of drew MIB drew Smokey to Locke in a way because uh, he knew that he would be easily manipulated by the powers of the island at some point wow take the one man who really wants to stay on the island and make him your key to getting off Off the the island island. yeah (laughs) isn't that a great irony yeah that is irony. People ask, is that ironic all the time about things that aren't actually ironic, like right. based on the definition? That is irony. That is that is true literary irony. Hi, <laughs> uh, emails. You want to start or me? Sure, I'll start. Um, our first email is from Ignite Contrast, and the subject is fate versus free will. Um, Ignite says, did you get the idea based on both the incident and LAX uh, that part, not all, of what Man in Black and Jacob are supposed to represent is fate and free will, respectively. I certainly got this impression. However, based on the episode Lighthouse, I'm getting the impression that Jacob is is not actually a proponent of free will or he would not be trying to trick Hurley into doing something. Either that or it's not actually Jacob appearing to Hurley. Thoughts? What do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, Well, I, I don't think that... I, I think when Jacob's appearing to Hurley that it's actually Jacob, um, only because um, I, I think at this point in the season with so few episodes left, you know, um, relatively speaking, um, that it would be too much to explain to have a fake Jacob be walking around impersonating Jacob and then have to explain all that. So I think it is actually Jacob appearing to Hurley. Um, but I agree that there's some question about what kind of free will has been exercised, and it's what I was saying earlier in this episode about you know, the relationship between Dogen and Jacob. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I I just think personally that I, I'm almost seeing MIB and, and Jacob as kind of like two kids just playing a game without regard to the pieces, really. You know, it doesn't matter. You're playing marbles and, and, and one, you flick one marble and another one goes down the, 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 the sewer drain, you know, because you're playing out in the street and you've drawn your little chalk circle. Well, that's my favorite marble, darn it, but you know, I'm not going to go get it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to go climbing into the sewer just to get a stupid marble. You know, it's just a marble. So, <laughs> you know, I kind of I kind of just get this whole impression that, that that's, that's really what this is about, is just about the game. You know, and you essentially have two people that while they're seemingly adult and everything, it, it with all of these indications of, well, one of them smoke and another one, you know, it has the ability to, to go through and touch people and, and affect their lives in such a way that it brings them to an island. I mean, these are not just normal guys, you know, so yeah. 
who's to say that they're not deities in their infancy in some way? Oh my gosh, that's a neat idea. I like that. Uh, but uh, I don't want to, I don't, and we have had that discussion many times about fate versus free will, and it was based on uh, what they said about uh, the ship that was out during the incident, you know, where uh, Man in Black predicted that they would always do the same thing, uh, which indicated to me that it was more of a fate thing, and then Jacob indicated that it only ends once, and that the rest of the time is just progress, which is an indication that uh, choice makes the difference. Yeah. You know, um, so clearly I think that's what they're supposed to represent idealistically, but I don't think it has anything to do with what they do in order to to play this game wow well that was a good uh, a good email thanks ignite contrast we appreciate it uh don says david's missing notes matt and leslie in the lighthouse david said he missed a couple of notes when he was playing i was wondering if you guys found <laughs> which notes he might have missed perhaps the, the missing notes would provide us with the initials of who's coming to the island um, thanks, wow. Don. That's a that'd be an interesting thought. The truth of the matter is, is that the performance was actually flawless. There were no missing notes. If we if there were allegedly missing notes and we didn't hear them on the TV screen, and you have to understand that that piece is generally anywhere from three minutes and fifty five seconds long to four minutes and fifty seconds long, depending on how fast it's played and how it's interpreted. Wow. So um, the uh, the music that G Kino used to to kind of bridge, you know, from his playing to the final note was more of a thing to incorporate the passage of time and to, again, play Jack's theme in order to make us feel for Jack, who is, you know, being proud of his son at the moment, you know. So uh, we we honestly, there, there were no missed notes that we heard during the performance, no. Awesome. Thanks, Don, for writing in. Uh, our next email is from Sven, and the subject is Sundown Infections. Sven says, After Sundown, it's pretty clear we have two infected main characters allied with the nemesis. However, I doubt the producer needs two zombie-like characters that on the surface appear to be very much alike. Darlton has said that Lost will continue to be very much a character-driven show, and I expect that to include those who have been. I assume characters. Um, going on, in my opinion, Saeed's flash sideways is the best one so far since it told Saeed's story very well. No matter which timeline, Saeed can't stop being a killer. Over the years, he's complained and regrets all the bad things he's done, only to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. The flash sideways showed in a very effective way that he is beyond repent. I think he killed around 20 people so far. Claire, however, is a story of a very nice and sweet girl who has been manipulated the last three years. She was told this episode she would find her baby, which of course she didn't. If the producer wants to come full circle with her character, she has to turn against the nemesis. What do you think will happen to Claire and Saeed? Well, well you kind of posed a thought about what might happen for Claire if Kate mm -hmm. can turn her around. Yeah, either Kate's going to turn her around or she's not. <laughs> yeah. um, and Saeed, we've kind of touched on a little bit, too. Um, you know, there's there seem to be a, um, a, a two camps right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, and one is that Saeed is, is unredeemable, which there's clearly plenty of information to support. And um, the other is that, you know, 
maybe there are better, maybe there are good reasons why he chooses to be a killer. Um, so, I mean, I guess it just depends on your opinion at this point. I mean, clearly he's infected, and that's just the that's the facts. Yeah. You know, those are the facts right now. And there was, there was definitely a clear change in in Saeed's whole persona between the time he walked into the temple and the time that he turned around to to Ben. When he turns around to Ben and says, it's too late for me, that look in Saeed's eyes, give credit to Naveen Andrews for, for that great acting moment, because that just said total, total crazy evil yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, just exactly the same way that we saw Claire in some ways, to uh-huh. me. which tells me that it's the same source. And uh, I think it's just a matter, you know, again... It depends on how Star Wars-y we're going to go here. Can you be turned back from the dark side of the Force or not? Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't know if I really like that whole notion. I, I said that in, yeah. the, in the initial reaction that you know, I, you know, if we're, if we're gonna if we're gonna have consequences, if we're gonna have these kinds of problems or whatever, or for our losties, then let's make them real. Yeah, you know, let's, let's not make, let him let's get out it, of it. Let's the make last it worth second. something, and and yeah. not just a fairy tale ending. Yeah, there has to be something to lose. Agreed. What else? Mark uh, writes in for the substitute. He says, "Dear Matt and Leslie, first of all, I want to thank you for such a great podcast. You two are perceptive, and your analysis is worthwhile and entertaining. Also, I lived in St. Louis for several years, and listening to you discuss gigs." And events around town always makes me feel all warm and nostalgic. <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks, Mark. Uh, second, I noticed something interesting and music-related in the episode The Substitute a few weeks ago. When Unlock found Sawyer at the barracks, Sawyer was getting drunk and listening to Stooges' Raw Power. In addition to the fact that Raw Power is a great album to get drunk to, something <laughs> else occurred to me. Raw Power was released in 1973 and produced by David Bowie. In 1974, the year our castaways joined the Dharma Initiative, Bowie released the album Diamond Dogs. The fourth track on that album has a specifically Lost-related title, Candidate. The lyrics to the song begin with the lines, I'll make you a deal like any other candidate will pretend we're walking home because it's your future at stake. This is strikingly relevant to the conversation Unlock has with Sawyer in the cave with the introduction of the term candidate. Unlock's desire to strike deals with the likes of Sawyer, Claire, and most recently Saeed, and Unlock's expressed desire to go home. I'm not suggesting that the writers are next going to be bringing Major Tom to the island, but it's fun. To co- <laughs> it's a fun coincidence, if nothing else. Thanks for keeping up the good work on the show. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I, I didn't know that I wouldn't have quite leaped from one album to another to make that kind of connection. So uh, I'm glad that your your discography knowledge uh, actually led you to that. That's a fun little observation. Don't really have a comment on it, but it was fun. Yeah, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. And thanks for writing in. Our next email is from Dave in Toronto. Um, his subject is questions and theories. Dave says, Hey, Matt and Leslie. I just wanted to pose a theory and ask a question. First off, I wanted to say how much I enjoyed last night's episode, and I now fear for the safety of Hurley and Jack. What are your thoughts on the Jacob and MIB are two sides of the same entity theory? 
which may explain why the producers have yet to reveal the name of MIB. Have you guys seen the 50s sci-fi movie Forbidden Planet? It's a movie about a military spacecraft landing on the planet and finding a scientist long thought to be dead living with his daughter and their robot. The scientist wants nothing to do with Earth anymore and just wants to continue studying the history of the indigenous alien race that is now extinct. Unfortunately, the crew is attacked numerous times by an unseen force, similar to the smoke monster, and the captain wants to evacuate the scientist and his daughter. Spoiler alert! The catch to this story is that the monster in question was created from the subconscious mind of the scientist. It seems the alien technology that he was studying enabled this force to be manifested. I believe it's possible that we're seeing the two halves, the dark and light, of the same entity. For some reason, whether by some tragic incident or by some necessity, the dark half of Jacob split from himself and at some point became self-aware. That's why Jacob is looking for a candidate to replace himself. Maybe the writers have been giving us clues. He continues on, uh, quotes, uh, There is a scale in every man, a dark side and a light side. Uh, Claire's dream, in which Locke had one black eye and, uh, and, and another white, um, a, the black and white stones, Jacob in white and MIB in black, MIB throwing the white into the ocean and telling Sawyer that it's an inside joke. It would seem that the majority of fans are not yet ready to believe that MIB may be the Dark Lord and believe Jacob is the actual bad guy. Do you think fans feel this way because of the likability of Terry O'Quinn's Locke character? I think Sawyer will sacrifice himself in order to help his fellow Losties. I can just see him saying to Jack, live together, die alone, and Jack saying, see you in another life. <laughs> After seeing the young boy who scolded MIB in The Substitute, I now believe that Jacob and MIB are some sort of demigods who were either born or brought to the island, and now the last of their kind. I also believe that Jacob touched our losties in order to enable their consciences to form a bridge between the two timelines, which in some way will help them make the right choices, whatever that is. Oh boy, I'm starting to get dizzy trying to come up with a plausible theory. That's what makes Lost a great TV show that challenges you to try and figure out what the heck is going on. Keep up the great work, guys. Dave from Toronto, Canada. Wow. wow. That's a that's a lot of thoughts. Um, well, let's go point by point, at least from my perspective. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Do we believe that Jacob and MIB are two sides of the same entity? Perhaps one had gotten separated from Jacob and became self-aware. Uh, since you're quoting a whole movie that that's already been done, I'm going to say not. I like mm -hmm. to think that the, you know it's uh, more about two different wills. And, and if that's the case, then what would MIB be wanting to go home to? He obviously wants to leave the island. He's if 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 regardless of if he's been separated, then home is still Jacob. Why would you kill your home? Mm -hmm. You know, I I just I, I don't believe that it's the, it's the, uh, the 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 same thing. Uh, that they're they're both you know like the same conscious. Yeah. You know, with the two different sides. What do you think? I don't know. It's an interesting theory. I, I mean, right off the bat and hearing it, it doesn't sound too crackpot to me. Um, I think it's possible. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I really couldn't say either way at this point, but, um, but they definitely, I think it's important to note that they, they both do clearly have some kind of, um, um, higher power 
than regular people do, and we haven't really seen anybody else with those same kind of abilities on the island. So, you know, Matt was saying earlier that、um, it's possible that these are, you know, two deity-like characters who are playing a game together,、um, or maybe they're they're、um, deities in their infancy. That kind of idea. This isn't really that too far off from that same kind of principle that. That they are, you know, whether you believe whatever their their story is, whatever their backstory is,、um, I think that we can all agree that they're clearly some kind of higher being that has some kind of power, and in that way, you know, are、right. some kind of deity. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. And、um, uh, the Forbidden Planet、uh, reference is interesting.、Um, a lot of times when people write in and 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 equate Lost to some other show, I, I have no idea what they're talking about, or I haven't seen it, or whatever. But I've actually seen Forbidden Planet, so. It's interesting、um, and cool that you bring that up, and、um, you know maybe there are some correlations. But I, I have to agree with Matt that、um, I don't think that the the writers of Lost are going to do something so you know so exactly、um, correspondent <laughs> uh, to uh, a, a, a show that's already been put out. Yeah. So、uh, here's a guy that would that's basically questioning the same thing that we are too about、uh, who's the bad guy here. You know,、mm-hmm. says every, everybody seems to be pointing at at Jacob as being the bad guy, and、uh, I think that's the very reason that we should look more at the obvious because the writers are are have been kind of alluding to that to make all of us thinkers out there, you know, wonder at which point is the rug being pulled over our eyes. You know,、mm-hmm. uh, don't forget that this is the same group of guys that told us. Basically, that there would be an alternate timeline at Comic Con, and nobody wanted to believe it until, lo and behold, there was a, actually an alternate timeline. They pulled the double con, and I'm not so sure they're not doing this again. You know,、mm-hmm. by saying, and so people are going, "Oh, wait a minute. Well, they're making Man in Black look bad, so he must be the good guy, and Jacob must be the bad guy." Yeah, I can't function under logic like that. I, It's I too confusing.、Either. I can't either, and and it's just. One of those things that, yeah, you know, for the most part, you know, they've pretty much laid things out for us. It's just, and I'm, I'm not even gonna, I don't think,、uh, form an opinion other than I think Jacob is good, as good as good can be on this show. Let me put it that way. And I think MIB is bad, as bad as the bad can be on this show. And the Losties are a cut above all of them in terms of their potential morals. Mm, uh, nice. uh, and that's what the whole potential of humanity is about. And I think that、uh, until the show shows me something definitively otherwise, until I see Jacob push Nadia out in front of that vehicle rather than save Saeed's life, until I、mm-hmm. see、uh, Jacob say, "I'm going to cure your boy," and then not do it.、Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say Jacob is the good guy and MIB is the bad guy. Yeah, I think at the end of the day you got to agree with that. Yeah. And what else? Anything else you had in this theory, Mel? Uh, no. I think we kind of touched on everything there. Um, it's a great email though, Dave. Thanks yeah, so much thank for writing it. That was awesome. Thank you very much for that email, Dave. Ah, <sighs> and that's going to wrap it up for our feedback. Let's、uh, mm-hmm. get into closing thoughts. Closing her up. Closing thoughts. 
In closing thoughts, Leslie, what are you thinking? Well, um, I mean, it's lost. It's season six. You know I'm going to like it. But, um, um, you know, aside from the couple of answers we got, um, I don't know. I guess I, I, it wasn't one of my favorite episodes. This episode and last episode are, are kind of like my least favorite episodes so far this season. Um, but I still liked them and, um, and we got some answers and I hope that from this episode we can move forward into some of our, you know, serious long-standing kind of questions and not spend time answering like, you know, small questions that were brought up this episode, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I hope we keep moving, um, up and up and forward. <laughs> That's what I hope. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, um. At any rate, nice. uh, this episode, I, I, I liked it. Um, I didn't like it as much as I did The Substitute. I didn't like it probably even as much as I liked Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. But I did like it better than what Kate does. <laughs> so um, it, it's not among my worst episodes, but it's not. Oh, it's certainly not among my best. It was still all right. And uh, that just means that there's a potential to get another killer episode next week. Yeah, I kind of hope we... I, I think it's time. I think we're ready. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll be producing this podcast and <laughs> then uh, cutting up many, many thoughts that I probably will have to axe out. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, seriously, folks, we, we appreciate you listening to us. Remember, uh, catch us on iTunes, catch us on the Lost Podcasting Network. Next week, you know, we will be uh, coming out a day later because oh, yeah. we uh, we have uh, travel issues going on. And, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, but, you know, They're my travel Le- issues, as usual. Leslie, is, uh, Leslie is, is going to be out of town for a couple of days uh, doing some things. And so when she gets back, we will podcast. So uh, we will have our initial, initial reaction show on Tuesday. That's a piece of Lost Special Segments. And then after that, uh, the next week's regular episode will probably come out Saturday. So look for that. And in the meantime, stay Stay lost. Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.